Hello, I'm Connie Rotella, and welcome to our Triple Thread Podcast. I'm super excited to begin this journey with all of you. Are you ready to put your best foot forward and show up with confidence? This tool is here to help you evolve into the artist you are meant to be. Just always remember to believe, become, and be ready. Add a new skill set or refine what you already know. So here we go. I'm super excited to have Rick Chia, our guest today on Industry Talk. So Rick is a choreographer, dancer, coach, and an artistic director. Actually, he's a casting director. Rick, thank you so much for getting on this little interview with me just to help us understand better this whole dance world, this whole casting world, the performance world, the industry world. Now, you've been doing this for a long time, right? Uh, I've been in dance almost all my life. Um, I've been casting. Uh, it's probably going on 17 and a half years now. How um, did you get that role? Did you go looking for um, to be a casting director? I actually didn't specifically. Um, I like at some point I um, retired from dance. Um, and then um, I had actually started like a, an online production company, which you know, was originally a music label and then kind of became a production company. It was nonprofit. Um, and then I actually was thinking of um, partnering up with um, some other organ, you know, artistic organization. And the only one that really um, made any money was Cirque du Soleil. So I actually went through a temp agency and um, ended up in tour logistics uh, doing inventory, which is probably the bor most boring job in the world. And then from there, um, you know, a casting job came up and I applied for that. And, and after a couple of times, I got that. And that's how I ended up in casting. Did you start off here in Montreal? Where do you come from? I come from the States. Okay. So I grew up in Florida mainly, um, even though I, was, I wasn't born in Florida. But my, my youth was pretty much in Florida up until uh, 21 I guess is when I moved. I was I lived in Boston for a year and then danced with Ballet Austin for two years. Went to Los Angeles and I did film and TV freelance, um, as well as doing you know the regular dance gigs around the country. Um, and then that's when I auditioned for La 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 Human Steps, um, and that's how I ended up in Montreal. I, I, I worked and toured with them for eight years, I guess, um, and after that I I retired. And you decided to stay here in Montreal? Is this your home base now? Yeah. And now I think um, either this year or next year, I will have officially spent more time in Canada than in the United States. I think I'm nearing <laughs> the halfway point. So, and, and and if I I read your biography, I think, yesterday on your website, and it said you started out as a tap dancer. Is that? Yeah. I'm just a tap fan. I love everything. I've tapped all my life, too, and my son taps. And it's so crazy. So you started as a tap dancer and then you moved up to technique and ballet and contemporary. Yeah. I mean, I, I was in a, I was in a, you know, tap was what I wanted to do. And, um, and then at some point my teacher said, well, um, you know, your, your, your tap is really great, but you need to, to learn how to move the body, everything. So you should take a jazz as well. So then I went into this tap jazz class and I hated jazz and I just wanted to do the tap. But then at some point I was like, okay, listen, I'm here. So I'm just going to try my best at jazz and realize that I liked it. And so as I started doing tap and jazz, at some point teacher said, well, you know, to, you know, for your jazz technique, you probably want to take ballet and, you know, a young guy in the United States, like ballet, <laughs> what? <laughs> and then I took ballet. Um, they said, um, at least they put me in a men's class. They said, we have a men's class on Saturday. 
and I, and it, it was just the hardest thing I'd ever done. So that's kind of the way I am, you know, it's hard, so I'm going to master it. So <laughs> Oh, so you like that. That's so a, when it gets hard and challenging, you want to master something. I tend, I tend to, um, if it's too easy, it's not interesting to me. Oh, I love it. No. So yeah. So that's how I ended up in ballet. And so I ended up doing ballet top and jazz. And then of course, from there, just all downhill from there to contemporary, to hip hop and, you know, street jazz, the, the whole wow. bit. I would love to know what style is your favorite? Uh, I don't really have a favorite because I mean it's just been bounced back and forth. I, I I like I like the change. I mean I I get tend to get bored with routine, so um, I love the change. And you know I will always love ballet. At the same time, I love to get busy with it. You know. What about tap you know, though? You didn't styles. forget about I mean, tap. Are you still tapping? Uh, I'm not. No, I, I think when I when I started off on the ballet contemporary career, uh, contemporary in film and TV. Um, I, I stopped doing tap, although I did have auditions in LA for tap and I did get hired. I stopped. I, I, I was getting, doing too many things at, at some no, point. There's it. just no time. You know, I you think of dancers training today, especially you work worldwide. What do you feel like a dancer needs to know in today's age? The new popularity of dance that came with, so you think you can dance and, and, and now with you know social media, it's kind of a double-edged sword in the in the sense that um, it has increased dance popularity like incredibly. The whole world is like hungering for dance, which is a good thing. But what it has also done is it has made it's made people satisfied with substandard technique because everyone's looking for that quick sixty-second. You know, as long as I do something that looks good in 60 seconds, then, and most people don't see this technique falls. You end up with a lot of people um, learning dance improperly, and then they become teachers very young. Nowadays, you know, people at 18 are saying, oh, yes, I'm a dance teacher. And so the same flaws get passed on, you know, and that's all great when you're doing 60 seconds. But when you get that, you know, someone actually ends up getting you a job like on Broadway or at Cirque, where you have to do show in, shows day in, day out, um, you get injured quite easily. And the other thing is like, you know, uh, there's a lot of cheating. So, you know, um, just giving you an example, you know, everyone's like trying to do pirouettes, but everyone now is just rolling on their heels. They just go on their heels when they fall off and they just keep turning, um, thinking that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm succeeding, but you're not. That's not what it is really. <laughs> so, yeah, so there are a lot of those flaws, a lot of, turning in and people landing on, um, you know, turned in feet, which is really bad for the ankles. As far as contemporary jazz, I think the technique generally has downgraded. Um, in ballet, it has stayed the same. Ballet is probably the, ex the exception. Like the pure, like the ballet schools who were on top back then are still on top today and, and you know, their quality is still there. But the rest is unfortunately has kind of started to slide. It's sad when we hear that because in my studio, I own a triple threat studio and I make sure that the education of the teachers, that's why all my teachers are still teaching because they're all certified and we can call them finally masters because at 18, you cannot be a master. So when we see master workshops at a young age, I get confused on the education that they're uh, giving out there, but I make sure that my teachers are people that are 
that have been doing and mastering their technique for a long time in order to give back. And I think I'm one, I'm one of the only schools that is like a triple threat here in Montreal where I value so much the education, the training, the foundation is priority. And I feel like anybody that stopped into my school have a career. It's a longevity career because they've touched so many different things, but we also educated them on so many different things. And uh, I'm happy you said that in the ballet schools, definitely ballet is for life, right? A dancer could do ballet at any age. I still see my 65 year old ballet teacher and she is in, in great shape. They, they inspire not only me as the owner, but my students and the parents just to show them. It's so funny because I go with the older teachers and a lot of studios go with the younger teachers, like you explained. And I'm like, I'm going to stick with my older teachers, the international team. I'm going to stick with them because they know how to really teach. Yeah, I think I think it's studios that there's a there's a, you know, and we understand why they do it. But uh, they, they go with the young popular teachers because they need to fill their classes, you know, because they that's the way they survive. So on the one hand, you can't blame them for doing that. But on the other hand, it is not necessarily doing the industry of service, you know, the discipline of service. Because and when they show up to you, you're going to see the difference right away. I'm going to see it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going to see it right away. I mean, a lot of times people don't understand that within the first 10 seconds, a lot of times I can tell if someone's going to be, you know, this person is going to hurt themselves in, you know, in two months. Um, and, and of course you, obviously you can't tell that for sure, but you know that the risk is there. Um, and that's one of the reasons why um, my company, Choreography Online, is working together with another organization um, in the UK called International Performing Arts and Theatre, or IPATH for short. Um, and in uh, redoing, I mean, they have a whole new set of dance syllabi um, for the 21st century. Um, and one of the ones that, um, so they're, they're finishing up a ballet syllabus, tap syllabus, contemporary syllabus. Um, and with the idea that um, it's going to be constantly looked at and constantly um, to have it evolve with evolutions in knowledge and technique, as opposed to some of the old ones that just don't change, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it stays the same regardless. Uh, one of the things um, that we've come out with recently is choreography syllabus as well, which I'm currently teaching online as well. Um, but the same thing, although that's less a technique in um, physical technique in dance, it's there's still a lot of knowledge and techniques and tools that people don't know about. So, um, you know what I, I think, find that fascinating. I love it. Choreography technique. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've been observing and analyzing for my entire career, and so, um, so yeah, it took me about a year to put it together. And once again, it's 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 an evolution. I mean. I think to, to create a syllabus and then say, well, that's it, it's done. Yeah, but we learn things. We learn science, we learn anatomy and learn new things about the body and, um, and new ways of teaching. And so the syllabus has to be constantly evolving. And so um, since I've written it, it's already started to evolve, you know? Because <laughs> now we have, we have things like um, online choreography, you know, for the, for the online audience, which is completely different from doing it on on stage so there's there's that to consider and that's also going to be developing over the next few years so so the syllabus is going to be constantly trying to move with the times so basically a dancer you're never it's it's just a never-ending journey you're always in training you're always upping your game and you always have to keep going at it and learning the new techniques and the new uh it should be 
It should be. Especially if this is something you want to do and love to do, right? It never stops. Exactly. And they do it in other, you know, in other professions, you know, science and mathematics is constantly evolving with the new knowledge and, and changing. And for some reason in dance, we're still teaching things the way they were like 600 years ago or 400 years ago, you know, <laughs> and, and it just doesn't make sense. You got to revisit it because, and especially today where information, you know, passes so quickly, you know, <laughs> we learn new things so quickly that, you know, it's, you've got to be able to change it. What what would you tell parents of young children that say, mom or dad, I want to become a dancer because I speak to a lot of parents. So I know the overnight fame and making sure that they connect with the ones that are in right now, the in dancers, let's say, like, what would you tell these parents? Because I'm afraid that they don't have enough education because they're going for who's going to hire my kid instead of going for how can my kid last in this industry? What would you tell them? You got to make sure that your kid wants to be a dancer for the right reasons. Because if they're doing it because they want instant internet fame, uh, first of all, there are very few people who get up to that level of fame. Number two, you know, having a million followers does not work as well as it did even two years ago or three years ago. Um, and we're seeing that anyone who's in um, social advertising knows this now, that the whole influencer thing, whereas it had a big impact, like maybe three, four years ago, it no longer has the same impact. And so I'll give you an example. So um, Choreography Online has a, a partnership with uh, World of Dance, and we all know how big they are, you know, 1.6 million followers or, or more, right? And, um, and they've done posts for us, you know, stories, you know, to all their, their, um, their entire base. And for one of our events, they, it brought like 68 visits to our site. Out of millions of people, only 68. Whereas maybe three years ago, that would have brought a huge amount of, you know. So it's it's you know people will react, and so today we're so bombarded with content that um, people will follow somebody for whatever reason, and they'll do a lot of liking, but they won't really take much action because there's there's just too much going on. We're bombarded with emails. We're bombarded with you know, Instagram stories and, and Facebook stories. So to try to get someone to actually take action off of a post is much, much harder today mm -hmm. than it was two, three years ago. So you don't really believe in that whole, um, like put all your attention to social media, make sure you're out there, make sure you got all these followers in order for you to be seen. Well, I, I do think it's important to be out there, but um, I think that the number of followers you have does not, um, it's not as important as it was before it's not going to necessarily give you a career, you know, like it has over the last few years, that trend is kind of trending down. Mm -hmm. You know, the problem is that it's going to take a while for people to realize that. Mm -hmm. So there's still some companies that are saying, Oh, this person has like 6 million followers. I'm going to give them $10,000 or $20,000 to do a post. After a little while, they're going to notice it's not doing anything, you know, so it's not doing anything for us. So, you know, to, tell, to go back to your original question. So this is, this is the thing that the parents, I think, need to be wary of is to make sure that their child understands that that's not a career choice. That's basically the lottery, you know, um, and that the actual profession is much, much more difficult than just posting, uh, you know, 60 second 
clip and then becoming famous and making a lot of money. That's they, not they also get very confused because they only see what social media has. And I always call a lot of people underground because the ones that are working and actually in auditions and could hire your, 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 your child, they're not spending their days on social media posting their stuff. So they have to maybe do the research. I always believe if you do the right research, you'll find the ones that are going to be speaking the truth of where your child wants to go. You know, the, the longevity mm -hmm. career that your child wants and making sure you find the right ballet teachers or the ballet school or the right teachers that can teach you all these disciplines. Um, I think the foundation is the key and it always is with the proper research because it's so confusing out there. Yeah. The, ch the challenge with, with, with that is that the parents, unless they are dancers themselves, may not know necessarily what's good training and what's not. For, for me, I mean, I've been in dance all my life. So, you know, if my kids want to train, it's easy for me to spot. I can tell them where to go, you know, but I mean, just imagine a parent you know, who doesn't know anything about dance, how are they going to choose? They're, they just have to trust. But the thing about dance is that there's no international standard like there is for a lot of, like if I give you an example, like if you, um, if you have a university degree in engineering, even if you went to a so-so university, everybody knows that you have a minimal amount of knowledge of engineering, right? Because of that diploma. Mm -hmm. In dance, it's not the same. You can have a diploma from any school. It doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. there's, there's no standard. And I actually wrote an article about, about dance technique where, um, you know, I asked, you know, out of all the mathematicians who have degrees, who have graduated, how many know how to multiply? And the answer is all of them, every single one of them. Mm -hmm. Because without it, you don't, you don't graduate. And yet we have how many millions of dancers who have graduated have diplomas who can't do a triple pirouette that we accept that triple pirouette is basic it's basic and if you can't do it you, you've graduated you've been through seven eight years of dance school and you can't do a triple pirouette there's something wrong and yet that is the norm that we accept as a dance society um also about the technique you can tell when a triple pirouette is executed right Yes. And There's they should, too. you know, after, after seven years of training, you should know that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, Rick. Thank you for your honesty. You know what? It's, it's so important to speak to the dancers and, and make them aware of their training. So when they're in class, there's a reason why you have to do all these classes in order to get better and be consistent. That's another thing. Oh yeah. I danced last year, last year. And how are you going to keep up with it? You know, you know, you do it for a year and then you can take a break. Your body, you can take a break. You constantly have to work at it. Well, you can, you can take a break, but you have to understand that um, when you come back, it's going to take some time to get you back up to speed. I mean, you're not going to just, you know, oh, you know, I did it last year, so I can take a job tomorrow. No, you're going to break. Exactly. I mean, it's just, you know, so... Um, it's just like anything. I mean, there is, you know, if you've trained since a young age and you've trained well, then yes, if you take a break, eventually, you know, you come back, it'll come back, but it's not going to come back in a week. You know, it's, it's going to take a little time for you to get it back and then, and then you're good to go, you know, but. 
So you see uh, dancers all over the world because that's what you do. You tour, you cast, you coach, you choreograph, you direct. What is the difference from the Montreal dancers? Do you see enough Montreal dancers or Canadian dancers? Like, what do you see the difference when you when you go to all these different places where you audition dancers? I'd say Montreal, when it comes to, it depends on what style of dance you're talking about. No, it's not, it's not the same as far as level of training. When you talk about, you know, ballet and contemporary, I have to say, you know, Montreal and Quebec doesn't, doesn't have a lot of strong uh, training. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's better than it was, I have mm -hmm. to say, but um, globally, uh, I don't see a, a lot of Montreal dancers working overseas. You know, some of them, you know, they have some talented ones and, um, and a lot of those ones that you do see, you will, um, and, and I'll probably get slammed for saying this, but, you know, a lot of the, the, the good dancers from Montreal and Quebec that do manage to get good technique, and you'll notice a lot of them actually trained outside. You know, they, they've moved, they will have maybe started in Montreal and then moved to another, you know, like outside of the, um, mm -hmm. of the province or the country or whatever and get their training and then come back. And this is something that I've been wanting to, to, to change or at least try to change with, um, you know, they, one of the future ideas we have is to bring some of the IPATH syllabi here to Quebec, you know, because the thing about Quebec is that you have a lot of creative minds, but on a technical level, you know, it's, it's, your creativity is limited when your dancers are limited technically. So it's kind of a, you know, there's, there's so much potential, but I just think that it's, so, we're not there yet. That's exactly no, what I've been telling yet. to directors and producers when I'm sitting with them on the table. I feel like back in my days, we used to be hundreds with our number and all know how to dance the same style. Now I feel like if I would have to choreograph back, like I used to do it back then, I feel like, oh my God, how, how do I blend all these styles in one choreography? Because it feels like not everybody's getting the same training. We would be in Toronto. They all train the same. So you can get all these dancers in the same room. But in Montreal, I feel like, oh, no, we've lost that. We have so much creativity, which is beautiful. I love that originality. It's like they're storytellers without taking acting, which is great because I'm like, wow, their vision is out there. They're exploring so many different things. But put them all in one show like we used to do, like, you know, any production shows. I don't know how it would look. Would everybody have straight legs, pointed toes, turned out? I don't even know how that would look yeah. anymore. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there is definitely a very eclectic side to the Montreal community, but I think one, one of the things that, and, and I, I teach this a lot and I say it a lot on podcasts and I've written it is that um, there are, for any kind of dance or any kind of movement based discipline, there are two parts, main parts to technique, whatever technique that is. There's one part of the technique that's universal to all dance styles into all movement-based disciplines. And there's one that's specific to each dance style and each discipline. Mm -hmm. And the first one that's universal is the control of your, your center of gravity as you move. Mm -hmm. That control is universal. And that I can see even if I don't know the dance style. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's something that's the base. And that's what holds it all together. That's, that's how you can get you know, 20 people in the room from 20 different dance styles and get them all moving together if they all master that. Mm -hmm. And then of course the rest is 
um, the other side of technique is is based on the style. You know, the ballet position, the ballet lines versus the hip hop position, the hip hop precision. Mm-hmm. If we were moved to something like hip hop or street, um, I don't, I don't think a lot of the community understands that there is technique involved oh, in that so too. You know, they always talk about creativity, and I understand that's extremely important. It it doesn't exist without the creativity, but without technique. That's where that's where um, a lot of these people end up getting injured. Technique, just like any styles, you need to train at it and you need to practice. And these are hours of rehearsals, like hours of being in a studio. And, uh, yeah. and but really, you need a good coach too. I hope that you're bringing in more of that, and I'm going to be sharing it on my page and here on this podcast because we need to hear more of what you have to say because you're definitely someone that could educate all of us, even um, on a deeper level, even the new dancers, because I'm always thinking of the next generation, because those are the ones coming up. And we need to tell them right now, you know, we need to educate them right now. There's my personal website. There is my company's website. And then there's, um, uh, we have an international online dance competition that we run as well. And there's that that website. And then there's the International Performing Arts and Theater website in the UK. The the important thing that, that people need to understand is that in order to evolve and to move forward um you have to if you need to you know you know that something needs to change first of all you have to break the old habits and you have to be ready to be criticized you know just like i said it's kind of taboo to say well there's a problem with training in quebec but at the same time it's not going to get better until someone says it until someone says you know and it's going to bruise a lot of egos but um it's, you know, and I just feel like that's in my entire life, that's how I've moved forward is realizing when things are not working. And to, um, when people come up to your face and say, this is not good, this is not working. And mm-hmm. yes, it could hurt right away. But then when you stand by and think about it, you go, okay, well, I just want to be better. So how do I change that? Mm-hmm. You know, and it takes, I mean, just, just think about the great um, Stanislavski, mm-hmm. the great, you know, He's very well known for his acting methods. This is a man who taught for years. Um, his 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 method um, became famous mm-hmm. school, and then at some point announced publicly, "My method is not working. It doesn't work. I was wrong." Do you know what kind of courage it takes to say that yeah. after being famous for it? Wow. He. Uh, noticed at some point that the actors he was producing were not any better than before. Right. And he had the courage to go public and say, I'm not teaching this anymore. My method does not work. And that's crazy, you know, right. and that, but that's how, that's how you move forward. Sometimes you got to look at your, the way you're doing things and saying, and, you know, step back and say, if it's not working, something's got to change. I'm so happy to hear all this, Rick. Thank you so much for touching upon all. I, I like people that tell me that I'm not good. Like Connie, you have to keep working. Connie, you need to do this, right? I'm I'm someone that since a young age, I need to be trained in that way because or else I don't feel like I'm learning. Compared to nowadays, because I have my ballet teachers are all Italians from Italy where they're hardcore. So mm. how many times do you think I got parents coming in the office because their child cried after class? But it's all love. I keep telling them it's all love. They're trying to teach you the right way. They want to teach you the right way. Can we allow these teachers 
to teach them right. And it's not, don't get offended if she told you that she repeated it 10 times the same thing and you're not getting it week after week, practice it at home. I don't know why we have to be so careful on how we have to train nowadays not to hurt anybody. And literally, I have Brazil teachers, Finland, uh, Italy, and of course, they bring all their story to my studio, right? But for me, I had to constantly educate the parent going, they have, it's ballet, we've got to teach them right. And when parents go, well, my friend in another studio are doing points at 10 years old. And I'm looking at them going, this is like 16 years in the business of studios. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, who would put a child, if you're a parent, who would put a child on points and get hurt such at such an early age? And I know this is like a whole other topic, but in my eyes, it's like, I, how is this how is this normal to hear a parent say something like that? When are we going on points? Parent doesn't understand how dangerous that can be. I yeah. mean, going doing the wrong thing on point. I mean, this is this these are career enders. You know. You, you you go over wrong on point, you could you could be injured for the rest of your life. That could be the end of your career right there. And the young bone, the young bones are so soft. Yeah. You know, if they go on too too early, it's it could just really destroy, you know, girl's foot and ankle. When I was a teen, I, I used to work um, at a Capizio dance store and I used to, you know, have to sell these shoes. And I had a lot of parents asking if they could. Um, get them bigger so their daughter could grow into them because they're so expensive. And it was like, you you can't do that with point shoes. It's not the same as regular shoes. No, it just can't. And yes, they're expensive. They're ridiculously expensive. But unfortunately, that's that's the way, exactly. that's the way it works. What frustrates me in this whole truth side is that I have to explain myself why I'm not putting a young child on point whether the other owners of other studios that are doing it don't have to explain anything because they're making them happy. But here I am having to justify, not me, my ballet teachers too, why it's not right to do. Actually, the future of dance, I don't know how it's going to look like. I don't even know how the future of dance studios are going to look like anymore. Um, because I actually got asked, someone came in to register, I want to do a TikTok uh, class. And I'm like, a what? <laughs> I didn't even know a TikTok that, class That exists. doesn't mean anything. I, I don't like what style is TikTok? What are you talking about? So here I am going, I don't know how long I'm going to last in this dance uh, studio life. If the media is going to take over the whole education part of it, I have no room. Like I'll just keep doing what I do and, and love what I do, but I can educate the next, next generation of, of social media dancers. As far as a professional dance, especially live dance, that. They're, they're not going to start hiring, you know, people from TikTok class simply because uh, those people are, are it's going to be too limited, yeah. first of all. Um, and second of all, if, if they're just learning how to, you know, do 60 second fun things on, on, on video, how are they going to get through 10 shows a week? You know, at Cirque, when you become a, you know, a permanent Cirque artist, you're talking over 400 shows per year. Over 400 two-hour shows per year. Mm -hmm. No, a TikTok artist is not going to last. Mm. They're not going to make it. Yeah, a great, a great example right there, Rick. Because in order to do those eight shows a week on Broadway, in order to do those 400 shows a year, whatever you have to do, the right foundation is going to keep you healthy, alive, and being able to pursue this as a career for a long time. 
it actually brings me to these competitions. Um, you know, I, I know you have a, a competition website, but what do you feel uh, when, when a lot of people do competitions? Like that market, how do you feel about that? Yeah, see, it, it really depends on the competition. Everything depends on how the how the competition is run and what the mentality is behind the competition. You know, just just to say, you know, competitions are good or competitions are bad. That's that's it's it's a really wide, 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 wide spectrum. So, you know, it's just like saying, you know, drinks are drinks are good or drinks are bad. Well, it depends on what drink. You know, there are many, many different kinds of drinks. You know, so um, yeah. And I used to when I was younger. Also, I used to think, you know, competition for dance, dance is an art. You know, competitions shouldn't exist. But then, you know, um, you know, I, I judge a lot of competitions and I've seen a lot of different ones. Um, and I, you know, being in the music, you know, in music as well, um, I noticed that, you know, in music, they do competitions all the time, you know, especially in classical, you know, competitions, but they don't approach it like, like a lot of dance competitions. It's less about, um, oh, I have to win as opposed to, you know, well, you know, there are some really big competitions, but as a general rule, it's more about um, the learning mm -hmm. that I'm going to get out of it. And so um, I, I actually wrote an article about this too, but the competition, it depends on, you know, what the people need to go to a competition, understanding that the value of competition is to learn, is to make yourself better. You know, it's not whether you make first, second or third place. And if you do make first, second, or third place, great, fabulous. But you have to, also have to take that with a grain of salt, you know, because on the back end, um, what if there are five people that are great, you know, and they're all equally great, you know, someone has to win. You got to pick somebody, you know. So, to, so if one person wins, that doesn't necessarily mean they're better than the second and third place. Just as if you only got third place or didn't place, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're better. You know, there are a lot of other things that go into it. You know, like mm -hmm. I said, what if there are five, 10 people who are all equally great? Well, you still have to place one, two, three. got to make a choice. Mm -hmm. This is the part where I think judge feedback is important, you know, because just say, oh, you didn't win. Okay, but that doesn't help me. Mm -hmm. Why didn't I win? You know, and when you have judges that are willing to take the time and say, well, because of this, this is what I see, blah, 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 blah. And then the, that person can take that home and try to use it to go somewhere, you know? And that's where the value of competition is. The other value, especially international competition, is that you, when you have people from, um, and obviously this is, you know, um, especially for live competitions, although I did, you know, with our online competition, we did get some of that too, is that is that connection with people from other countries and from other places. And you learn that, oh, my way of thinking is not the only way of thinking that exists in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's not even, might not even be the best way of thinking. And you learn from other countries and you make friendships that you otherwise would not have made friends, you know, with. Um, you build your contact base. You um, maybe even learn other languages. I mean, that, you know, so there's a lot of positives to that, you know, that kind of uh, inter interchange and that the competition is what brings it together, mm -hmm. brings you all together. And, um, and I think that the negative side of competition is when winning is the only, you know, I'll do anything to win. That's not really a healthy, a healthy no, mindset. No, it's not a healthy yeah. um, so, environment. So, yeah, so competitions, it really depends on how it's run.
and what the values are. Right. And to bring in something different, because a lot of them do weekly competition. So they just bounce around from like literally weekly competition, doing the same thing over and over. So I hope they're getting value every weekend where it's like I'm going on stage and I'm getting, you know, good feedbacks in order for myself to evolve. Because I this is where I always question, are, do you know what you're doing after this 10 weeks of competition? Are you coming out knowing more? Are you more knowledgeable, more experienced? Do you know what you have to go do, you know, go back in class and train for what? Like that's, those are my questions that I always ask, you know, when they're like spending so much money on the competition and then they don't have money to train. That's where I'm like, oof, there's information. Yeah, there's definitely, definitely balance that, you know, because even if you have the money to do a competition every weekend, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily advocate that because if you spend all your time preparing for the competition, you, you know, you're not training, you're not training properly, you know, even if you have the money. It's just a matter of time, you know, mm-hmm. and let's not forget. And this is one thing that I think the dance world uh, internationally, the world over forgets or doesn't understand is that uh, improvement in dance is based on uh, largely on how much rest you get. Mm-hmm. Now your, your body is when you're in class, uh, what you're doing is your body is absorbing information, but is when you're resting, that it assimilates the information, makes changes to your body to correct, to prepare your body for the next class. That's when you're actually learning is when you're resting. So when you have these, you know, these mindsets where I just got to, I got to train seven days a week, nonstop, you know, morning to night, that's not making you better. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at professional athletes, you know, they rest a lot more than dancers. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the, you know, the day before competition, they actually ease up on the training so mm-hmm. that their body can get the rest. You know? mm-hmm. And in dance, we do the opposite. We increase the amount of rehearsals for the show. And so by the time we get to the show, we're running off of pure adrenaline and nothing else. Yes. You know, our bodies are exhausted and ready to fall apart. And we just go on adrenaline, which is, once again, in my opinion, not the healthiest way to go about it. I'm going to call you Dr. Rick. You're the doctor of dance, Dr. Rick. <laughs> we have to learn all this. You know what? A convention here in Montreal, is this something that you you are um, maybe looking to do? Because I think this would add so much value to everybody here. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been thinking about it for a long time, actually. Um, it's just that it, it, there's so much money involved, you know, to put that together. In fact, I was at some point I was talking um, to move it in, in in London, move it UK, which is I think the second business, second biggest, or, or yes. used to be, second biggest um, dance convention in Europe. Um, now there are others that are big too, but um, we were thinking of doing a move at North America. I think it's the right time, especially now with everything that's happening. This experience we're having with the world is slowing us down, so it's giving us a chance to really see within what is really necessary. Also asking the right questions, like, why am I doing this? You know, do I really love what I do? You know, because obviously I can tell you're passionate about what you've been doing and what you're doing and what you're sharing out there with all your gears of experience and, and uh, knowledge, but we need to hear more of it. It feels like, again, not everybody knows. So I, I'm going to have to plug you in a little bit more, Rick, so we can listen in and read all these articles because uh, the commercial dance and even the parents need to maybe get more educated. And I don't know, maybe they will spend that money for this convention. I, I think it's so worth it. 
it's going to be useful. Well, that I, I would want it to be worth it. And that's why I say I don't want to do it unless I have enough money to do it because right. I want to bring in good teachers, you know? Yeah. And I also hate not being able to pay people what they're worth. I'm going to, I'm going to try to think of, of ways because I really would love to help you on that because uh, I think it's important. So now that we're coming uh, close to the end, Rick, in, in one sentence, how do you see the future of dance? Um, I would say precarious, but not maybe not for the reasons one might think. Way too many opinions out there that are perhaps uninformed. And so I think it's, it's getting difficult to, to, to weed through all of the noise and say, what is the correct information? What is wise and what is not? Because right. it's all blending in. Right. And that's going to affect the dance world. Mm-hmm. And so the problem is that when the people who do know what they're doing decide I, I'm fed up with it, I quit. That's when it becomes dangerous because then the future of um, the future dancers, they're going to be trained by the people who um, don't quit. You know, so that's why, that's why I say precarious. So we're, we're at a crossroads here. We could destroy the profession or we could make it better. Wow. My body just went numb first. I, I just hope the right people will come together in order to make this change and to, to move forward in, in this good direction that is needed in the dance world, in the dance community. Yeah, and what do you I think, th- I think they, need to, they need to approach it in a different way, though. I think what happens when, when you get people that get together and dance and they, they try to, you know, a project or something, they tend to, to use what they know, which is normal. You know, but I think that, you know, different times, different mindsets, different people um, out there, uh, you got to, we can, we need to change the game. You know, like Einstein said, you can't, you can't solve a problem with the same consciousness that created it. And so we need to almost throw away the old ways of thinking and say, okay, clean slate. Now, how are we going to approach this? You know, that speaks to today's mindset, mm-hmm. today's people, today's technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll be thinking about this one. Thank you for sharing that light. And what do you think about the future of uh, studios, dance studios? Um, the future of dance studios. Well, dance isn't going away. Dance is, you know, dance like music um, is innate in you know, human nature just a matter of what form it's going to take. So I think the gathering of people to learn dance is that's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always going to be there. It's just a matter of what form, you know, and what kind of external forces are going to um, put pressure on the way we run studios, the way they're set up. Mm-hmm. Um, but the dance studios are still going to be there, you know, because the ones that, that end up having to close today, and it's very unfortunate, there will always be new ones popping up mm-hmm. because dance, like I said, dance, music, movement, just like drawing, painting, it's an intrinsic human need. Mm-hmm. So people will do it regardless. They're going to find a way to do it. Definitely. It's just a matter of how. The how. Have you been doing exactly what you love to do for all these years in the industry? Yes and no. Um, yeah, yes and no. It just depends. You know, um, I'm at a point where I'm, I'm shifting and evolving, you know, and uh, 
I just got to find a way to do that. A lot of people ask me, well, what's your dream? Well, my dream is not, it's not like, a, okay, I want to be an engineer. That's my dream. Mm-hmm. You know, my dream is a little less precise than that. It's more that I want to have a positive and important impact on this discipline, on this industry. The way I do that is not important. You know, so if it means, oh, it's become, because, you be, you know, your online dance competition becomes the most well-known and best in the world. Okay, fine. If it means that you're just going to be a, a traveling coach or do seminars, fine. You know, if it means that, you know, you're going to produce an online app that everyone uses, fine. You know, it's, it's not as precise as that. I just want to have that positive global impact. Well said, Rick. Oh my God, thank you. That just inspired. It It literally resonated with me, with my whole soul right now, what you just said. It's you. It's totally you. It's what you've been doing for years. What is what is coming up for Rick? I might be doing a couple of conventions and, and, and kind of showing people some of the new initiatives that uh, Choreography Online is doing, Choreography Online and iPath. Um, uh, when I'm done casting at RWS. Um, I have another couple companies that have, you know, asked about um, my availability, Mm -hmm. but um, we do have our international online dance competition coming up in May. So there's a lot of work to be done with that. And let's say we send out an invitation to all the dancers that want to um, join into this competition. Um, How can they do that? Well, uh, go to the website, um, iodc.online. Mm-hmm. So IODC is the International Online Dance Competition. So all the information is there. There's they can sign up for the mailing list there. They can um, there's a couple of videos there as well. People who have um, who have already uh, participated in it. Um, there's a, a link to add it to your calendar so you don't forget. And then May 11th is when it opens for entries, awesome. and that's when the games begin. When the games begin. So if we have to finish this um, interview, how would you finish off? What would you tell dancers for, uh, for what's to come in the next year? I think they should approach it um, in the same way that, that, that I tell my students to approach uh, their training. It's like work, don't, don't, don't just work hard, work smart. You know, start thinking, you know, think things out, work smart. You know, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. Work smart. It's about quality. Think smart. Wow. Thank you. That is beautiful. The thing is, you know, speaking of evolution and having to look at yourself, one of the things that I, I, I say to a lot of the kids I teach, regardless of the class, you know, I teach a lot of different kinds of classes, um, is that the way to um, the path to, to excellence is through feeling stupid. And that's really important because if you're not willing to put yourself out there and fall flat in your face. If you're not willing to go out there and just look really stupid doing something that you, you're not good at, then you're not going to evolve. You know, you just, you do, you, you go out, you feel stupid, you fall flat in your face, people laugh at you, but then you get up, you learn your lesson, and then you try it again. And that's how you evolve. We end on that note. Thank you, Rick, for sharing all this information, this great, valuable information. I hope you dancers are listening in and are loving every minute of it. And please go look up Rick on any um, social media pages and Google him. You'll get on his website and get informed. 
get to know what dance is and why it's there and what it does it does for you. Thank you, Rake, for being with us today. Thank you for having me.